This morning I have a question for you as we begin the message. If you could start your life all over again and be born into a famous family, what family would you choose? Just think about that for a minute because I'm going to give you some options and they're going to be on screen. Would you choose this family? Or maybe this family? Or maybe you would like to be part of the Cunningham family? Or maybe your preference would be this, to be a Simpson or not. Um, maybe you'd like to be a part of this family where everybody loves who? Yeah, everybody loves Raymond. And this is one of the most popular shows on TV right now, a program called This Is Us. Now, these, of course, are not real families, and of course, you can't choose your family. Um, you are born into your family, but consider what Jesus said. It was a really radical statement. He said it is possible to be born what? Born again. Really, Jesus? Oh, yeah, you can be born again. You can be born spiritually. And that's exactly what happens when you decide to follow Jesus. You are born again into God's family, which is called the what? God's family is called the? Okay, you're going to know this by the end of the message. I guarantee that. Okay, God's family is? The church, the church, because the church is not a building. The church is not an event you come to. The church is a family to which you belong. And let me say this. Um, I know that on Sunday morning that people are here with all kinds of experiences. You know, some of you are part of our church family. Um, some of you may be looking for a church family. Um, some of you have different experiences in a church family. Or maybe you just have questions about the church and about Christianity. Whatever the case may be, I'm so glad you're here. Because today I want to do this. I want to walk us through the value of having a church family and the difference it can make in your life. So let's begin with a statement on your outline. It says the book of Ephesians. Uh, and this is a new study we're beginning because Ephesians really has God's goals for his family, the church. The book of Ephesians is about God's goals for us as his family. And notice this. As the church, we are people who believe the truth, belong to God's family, and are becoming the people God created us to be as we carry out Christ's mission, how? How do we carry it out? What's the last word? Together, together. Now, think about some of the key words. Christianity is not just a matter of believing, it's a matter of belonging. Belonging to a family where you can change and grow and become the person that God created you to be. And as your pastor, I think this is a really important series of messages for us right now. Because our church is at a critical point in our relatively brief history. For over two decades now, God has enabled Boynton Beach Community Church to be a church of influence. And we have made a difference here in our church, our community, and even around the world. I was thinking about it this morning, driving to church. God has placed us in such a strategic place on Boynton Beach Boulevard. Isn't that true? I mean, if you just look here, you've got a charter school. If you look here, you've got what? A hospital. There are houses all around us. There's a brand new shopping center, and we now have our own Wawa. Some of you are really excited about that. And, and I, I don't know, but I, last time I saw a burger fi is coming, and I'm excited about that too. But, but God has placed us in a very strategic position. And when it comes to making a difference in the world, right now God is opening some incredible doors of opportunity to expand the influence of our church around the world. And right now I'm working with our elders, working with some other key leaders to chart the course for the future. 
Because I know this, in order to capture these opportunities, we need to know who we are and what God's called us to do as we continue to make an ever-increasing impact in our church, in our community, and around the world. And I really believe that this book of Ephesians is going to help us do exactly that. So what I'd like to do is to briefly give you some background information because this is a letter that's found in the Bible. And of course, if you picked up a letter, what are some natural questions that you would ask? Well, first of all, who wrote the letter? Well, this letter was written by a man named Paul, a follower of Jesus, and he, at one point in his life, was trying to destroy the church. And then, you might say, he was blinded by the light. God knocked him off his high horse, and, and he set him on a new path. And now he is on a mission to tell everybody he can about the good news of Jesus. That's why they call him the Apostle Paul, because he's sent on this mission to tell people, you can have an entirely different kind of life by choosing to follow Jesus. So Paul is the author. Now, who's he writing the letter to? Well, he's writing the letter to believers in a particular city. The city is called Ephesus. Now, let me just show you this, because I think it might be helpful. Um, this is a map. Ephesus is actually found in modern-day Turkey. That's where the ruins of Ephesus are located. And it was a very, very important uh, and strategic city in the Roman Empire. It was easily accessible by land and by sea. And I was thinking, you know, Paul wanted to work out of a strategic location. Well, that's true for us. God has given Boynton Beach Community Church a very strategic location as well. And if somebody were to come to you and say, hey, listen, um, you live in Florida. What's the, the best tourist attraction in the whole state? What would you say? It's not Lion Country Safari. What is it? You guys know. It's in Orlando, right? What is it? Disney, Disney of course. Now, if I went to somebody in Ephesus and said, hey, um, what's the, the best tourist place in Ephesus? This is what they would tell you the Temple of Diana. Now, this was not just a temple. It wasn't just a place where people worshiped. It was a museum, because you could go to the temple and see all these great works of art, statues, paintings, all kinds of stuff. But it was also a sanctuary for criminals. And this is really interesting. If you were a certain distance from the temple, you couldn't be arrested, no matter what you had done. In fact, the distance was how far you could shoot a, an arrow with a bow. If you were that close to the temple, man, they couldn't touch you. And as I was thinking about the city of Ephesus, I was realizing, you know, there are certain similarities between what was going on in Ephesus and things that are going on in our world today. But here's the thing. God's goal for the church, his goals for us as believers, have never changed. And so when it comes to God's goals for the church and for your life, this is the question that we're going to focus on this morning. Why do you and I need a church family? Now, here's the first reason. Because a church family is essential for every follower of Christ. A church family is essential for every follower of Christ. A commitment to follow Jesus also involves a commitment to share your life with other people who have decided to follow Jesus. Look at this verse. It's from Ephesians chapter 1. It says this, Long before he, that is God, long before God laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as a focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ, what pleasure he took in planning this. This is an amazing, amazing truth that God brought us into his family. He planned that before we were ever born because that's his purpose. And it gives him great joy to have a family. And here's the thing. A church family is essential. It's, it's not optional for every follower of Christ. Now, I've heard a number of analogies to describe Christians that are disconnected from a church family. Um, some people say that it's you know, a football player without a team or, 
um, a musician without an orchestra or a soldier without a platoon. But I think the most compelling analogy of a Christian not connected to a church is this, a child without a family. You're actually a spiritual orphan if you don't have a church family. And this is really important in our culture because the family has become more and more fragmented. And I think we realize that. And there are a number of reasons. There's, you know, the high divorce rate. There's alternative lifestyles. There's increased mobility. There's all these different factors that come into play. And in years past, you often live close to your extended family. For many people, especially in South Florida, that is no longer the case. And then there's something else going on in our country. We have a record number of single adults in America. There's an author, his name is Vance Packard, and he called America a, a nation of strangers. There really is this, this need for connection, and we see it in advertising all the time. Um, I'm always looking um, at commercials and trying to figure out what are they really selling. You ever do that? And if you watch a beer commercial, which are some of the best commercials on television, let me tell you something, they're not selling beer. Do you realize that? You know what they're selling? Friendship. Because think about it. Do you ever see somebody in a beer commercial drinking alone? Never. What are they doing? They're drinking with their friends. They're having a great time. They're not selling beer. They're selling the connection of friendship. And that's because God made us with that deep need for connection. And, and there's something else that, that we need to think about. Um, you know, God designed us um, he made us in his image, and we're supposed to be connected to him and to others in his church family. But for many Christians around the world, when they make that choice to follow Jesus, they are disowned by their families. Uh, some of you know that. I share prayer requests from around the world every week, and you know that in the Middle East, that Christians are often um, pressured by their families to return to their previous religion. Um, they're persecuted. And so what these Christians need to do is to find a new family, to find God's family in the church so that they have somebody to love them and care for them. And that's what Voice of the Martyrs does around the world. They provide that kind of friendship and fellowship for people that have been disowned by their families. But that doesn't just happen in other places around the world. That's happening here in the families in our church. I know some of you have shared with me that because of your commitment to follow Jesus, there's tension in your family. Sometimes there's outright conflict in your family. But here's the thing, we shouldn't be surprised. Jesus told us that that could happen. So what do we do? Well, we pray for the people in our family, and we do this. We turn to our church family for support and for encouragement. And realize this, when you are loved by the people in your church family, and when you express love to them, that is proof to a watching world that your faith is real. And that's exactly what Jesus said. Look at his words here. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are truly my disciples. Listen, if you're a believer this morning, I hope this, this truth will deeply encourage you. The highest honor and the greatest privilege you will ever experience in this life is being a member of God's family. That's something to really rejoice in this morning. Now, here's another reason that it's really important, essential, to have a church family, a church family helps you do what? Grow up, right? Now, here's, here's something. I saw a, a bumper sticker. It said, um, what did it say? Um, oh, you may, only be, you may only be young once in life, but you can be mature for the rest of your life. See, God wants us to grow up, doesn't he? And where does that happen? It happens in our church family. Because here's a verse, this is from Ephesians chapter 4, about how the church is supposed to work. And it says this, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. 
We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will do what? We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the what? The church. Your church family is a place where you learn how to grow up spiritually. Um, there was a movie um, that I saw one time called A Few Good Men, and it starred Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise, and some of you may have seen it, but Tom Cruise is a military attorney, and there's this case where a Marine dies, and Jack Nicholson is on the witness stand, and Tom Cruise, in this very confrontational scene, says, so I want the truth. And Jack Nicholson says, you want the truth? And uh, Tom Cruise shoots back, yeah, I want the truth. And there's that classic line delivered by Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth. Well, that's true. So often it's really hard to hear the truth. It's hard to handle the truth. But friends, if we're going to grow up spiritually, we need to hear the truth spoken in love by people who really care about us. And where do you find people like that? Well, God says you find people like that in your church family. And I must say that one of the greatest challenges in church leadership, and this is certainly true about being a pastor, is trying to speak the truth in love to people. And over the years of being the pastor here, I've done that on so many occasions and it's like the, uh, the old saying, you know, the truth will set you free, but first it will make you miserable. Because often I try to tell people the truth, and I, I tell them, hey, it's because I love you and I care about you, but sometimes people get angry because they don't want to hear the truth. And sometimes I've shared the truth with people in love, and they've just walked away from the church. But other times you share the truth in love, and something amazing happens. People hear the truth. And that seed of truth goes into their heart, and they allow God to shape their heart and transform them. And listen, every time I see that happen, and you know, by God's grace, I see that happen a lot. I just say, God, thank you that you give us this incredible privilege of speaking the truth in love into each other's lives. And church family, listen, I, I need you guys and gals to speak the truth in love to me because I have faults and I have blind spots as your pastor. And there are things in my heart that God needs to change. And because of that, we need each other. We need to speak the truth and love to each other because God uses truth to change us. And here's something else God uses to change us, not just truth, trouble. We know this, don't we? God uses trouble to get our attention and to change us, and that's certainly true in families. How many of you um, have ever experienced conflict in your family? Okay, if your hand's not up, I don't believe you. We all have conflict in our families. Is there conflict in God's family? Well, yeah. Why? Because we're imperfect people. Because we're sinful people. Because we need to do what? What are the two words? We need to grow up. And because of that, there is conflict. Now, listen, you know, you may be relatively new to this idea of having a church family. Um, you may have been in other church families. But I will tell you this, and some of you know this really well. There are times when people really are hurt in a church family. Some of you have experienced that. There's pain. There's heartache. And here's what happens many times. People just walk away from the church. They walk away from this church family, go to this church family, go to the next church family, sometimes just leave the church entirely. Listen, that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not what God wants for his children. Um, this morning, as my wife Chris and I were driving to church, I was um, just sharing with her um, what I wanted to share with you that a number of years ago, and this is before BBCC ever began, um, Chris and I were in a church family, and we were really hurt by things that happened there. Our family was really hurt. 
And I remember talking to God and saying, God, I hate this. God, I don't need this. So, I'm, you know, I'm just checking out. I'm walking away from church. That's what I want to do, God. The remarkable thing is that in the middle of that pain, God called me to be a pastor. I was reminded by Jesus himself that he will never, ever give up on his church. And neither should I. And neither should you. Because think about this. It, it is so true that the local church is the hope of the world. And that's why I am investing my one and only life in following Jesus and serving his church because the church is going to outlive us and outlast us. And here's why the church is the hope of the world. You've heard me say this before, because of its people and because of its message. See, God has entrusted the gospel to us, and the gospel is the most powerful force on the face of the earth. The Bible says the gospel is a power of God for the complete rescue of everyone who believes. And church family, I really want you to understand this, that the gospel is the ultimate solution to every problem we face. It really is. Problems in our families, in our churches, in our nation, in our world. And here's why. Because the gospel has the power to change your heart and my heart. And that's why we need to do this every single day. What are these glasses? These are special glasses. What are they, church? They're gospel glasses. And we have to put on our gospel glasses so we can see everything. Because when I look in the mirror with my gospel glasses, I go, oh, <laughs> that's who I really am. What the Bible says about me is true. I'm a a sinner. I, I, I've got this heart that, that pulls me away from God and God's purpose for my life, and I know that I'm separated from God and, and that he's just, and, and he said that the punishment I deserve is to die and to be separated from him for how long? Forever. But you have to have gospel glasses to see that. But here's the thing. I, I look at you guys this morning with gospel glasses, and guess what? <laughs> You're in the same situation. We all have a broken heart. We all have a heart that pulls us away from God and away from his purpose and away from his plan. And listen, unless God intervenes, we are people without hope. But thank God, that's only part of the story. That's the bad news. What's the good news? You put on your gospel glasses and you look at a cross and you go, oh, what's that about? Well, it's about a God who loves you so much that he would send his son to die for you. And that's what Jesus does. Second person of the Trinity, fully God, fully man, lives a perfect life, goes to a cross because of his love, and on the cross, God's willing to do this, to put our sin on Jesus and punish him in our place. And Jesus says, hey, come and follow me, and I will give you a new what? A new life. And so, see, this morning when I look at you with gospel glasses, I go, oh, look at this. We are forgiven. We have a new life. And when you look at people with gospel glasses, guess what? You give them grace because you've received grace. You don't look at them with a judgmental heart or a proud heart because you realize we're all sinners saved by God's incredible grace. And so think about this, church. We get together on Sunday mornings to worship God, right? One of the things that we can always rejoice in is this. Our past is settled. If you're a Christian this morning, you don't have to live with guilt or shame or regret. Now, that's something to sing about on Sunday morning. That's true for us collectively as God's church. And here's something else. You have a new identity. You know, I can tell you that I am a child of God. I am a son of God. But it's even better than that. We're brothers and sisters. We're part of a family. We have a new identity, and that means that we have a new potential. We can do things together that were never possible because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And see, when we talk about the church as God's family and we think about all the hurt and all the dysfunction and all the junk, well, it doesn't have to be that way, does it? Because we can do what? We can grow 
up. We can become like Jesus because we have the power inside us to do that through the gift of the Holy Spirit. We can really forgive each other. We can work through conflict. We can move away from being so self-centered. And if you look at your outline, that's the next benefit of a church family. A church family helps you move away from a self-centered lifestyle. A self-centered lifestyle. Now, I've used this illustration before, but I wanted to share it again because I think it's so helpful. If I took my cell phone right now and took a picture of the section that you're sitting in and I put the picture up on the screen, whose face would you look for first? Honestly, whose face would you look for first? Your own. That's just the way we're wired. And what would determine if it's a good picture? How who looks? Seriously, come on. How you look, right? Because if you look good, the whole picture's good, right? If you've got a bad hair day going on or your eyes are closed, oh, it's a terrible picture. Please take it again because it's all about who, right? I mean, that's the default mode of the human heart, to be self-centered. How many of you know the name Copernicus? Anybody know the name Copernicus? He was an astronomer, um, lived during the, the Renaissance. He was from Poland. He was a mathematician. And he came up with this crazy, crazy idea that the planets did not revolve around the Earth. What do the planets revolve around, according to Copernicus? You guys know this, right? The sun it was a heliocentric solar system. So this was a revolutionary idea. And I would say this, that in much the same way, Christianity is like a Copernican revolution of the soul. Because you realize, hey, the universe doesn't revolve around me. It revolves around the sun. S-O-N. Everything revolves around who? Around Jesus. It was a number of years ago that Rick Warren wrote his um, best-selling book, Purpose Driven Life. And in that book, he uh, begins with a really counter-cultural sentence. And some of you know what it is. It's not about you. That's how the book begins. It's not about you. And he goes on to say this. It's about God. It's about his purpose for you and for your life. And here's the thing. The purpose that God has for your life is to know him and to be connected to him, but also connected to other people in his family in such a way that you discover your purpose in life. And in the book of Ephesians, there's a whole chapter devoted on church unity. How do we live together in a way that moves us forward to accomplish God's goals? And here's... Here's just an excerpt from chapter 4. It says this, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Church, that's so important. Many of you know what John 3.16 says, right? Arguably the most famous verse in the Bible, For God so loved the world that he gave his own one and only what? Son, it's about Jesus and believing in him. And if you do, you won't perish, you'll have eternal life. Do you know what 1 John 3.16 says? It's actually connected, but this is what 1 John 3.16 says. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for each other. That's a pretty radical commitment, wouldn't you say? Do you realize this is happening around the world? Believers are literally laying down their lives for each other. That's the kind of commitment that God wants us to have in our church family. And listen, this is what dismantles absolutely dismantles a self-centered lifestyle. Because as you focus on the needs of others, as you love them and pray with them and encourage them and serve them, you grow up and you become more and more like Jesus. And some of you this morning could stand up here this morning and tell story after story about how people in your church family came through when the pain and the trouble poured into your life. 
And I could tell stories about people that came alongside and prayed for me and, and encouraged me. And that's what God wants to happen in his family. And let me just say this. You need to be connected to people here in your church family because sooner or later, you're going to need them. And here's, here's why I'm always encouraging you to get connected. You know, you'll hear me say, hey, you need to go to a Bible study. You need to serve on this ministry team. Um, realize this. You don't have to wait for a church program to get connected. You have your pastor's permission to just connect with each other. Okay, invite people to your house for dinner, go to a game, go to a movie, um, form a mom's outgroup, whatever it happens to be. Because here's the thing, God never intended for us to go through life alone. We need each other. And let me point out yet another reason that we need a church family, and we're going to move real quickly through these last two points. A church family provides what? Spiritual protection. How many of you need spiritual protection? We all do. Um, you know, think about those nature shows where they have a very predictable script. Um, you know, there's a, a herd of antelope or wildebeest, and they're just kind of, you know, going across the plain there, savanna. And then you have this really um, uh, tense music because who's crouching in wait? Lions. And how do lions operate? They have a pretty, you know, good game plan. They wait for one of the animals to get separated from the herd, and they take it down, right? Well, when you're a Christian and you get separated from the herd, you're in serious trouble because we have an enemy who wants to take us down and the fact is, we need the protection of each other. Now, what do we need to be protected from? Well, from doubt, from discouragement, from disobedience. We need to come alongside each other. And when somebody's going through a crisis of faith, say, look, I know this is really hard. I know that you have doubts. But listen, I believe that what God says is true. So lean on me. Lean on my faith right now. Somebody who's just ready to just call it quits in their marriage, and you come alongside and say, don't, don't. Please, listen. Pray with me. That's how we protect each other spiritually. And it's not just the words that we share with each other. It's the words we say to God for each other. Because one of the best ways you can protect somebody is by praying for them. And when you get to the end of the book of Ephesians, it talks about this spiritual war that we're engaged in and the weapons of our warfare. There's this armor that God gives us, this big shield of faith and a helmet of salvation, all this cool stuff. We'll talk about that. But it talks about the power of prayer and how we ought to pray for each other. Look at this verse from Ephesians chapter 6. It says this, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with, with this in mind. Be alert. Be alert. And always keep on praying for all the saints. A saint is just a believer in Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this. Are you doing that? Are there people in your church family that you pray for and pray with on a regular basis? Are there people praying for you? And, and church, listen, there's some really practical ways that you can do that. You know, every single week I say, hey, there's a next step card, and if you have a prayer request, write it down. You can do that. I encourage you to do that. People will pray for you. After the service, you can go to the cross, and people will meet you there and pray with you and pray for you. So I encourage you to take advantage of these ways to pray with and for each other. Somebody said this one time. They said that the church is the only army in the world that advances on its knees. Isn't that good? Because it's true. That's how we fulfill God's purpose for us. Well, just real quickly, one more reason that you need a church family, and we'll talk more about this one in the weeks to come. But a church family helps you accomplish God's purpose for your life. I said this last week, you cannot accomplish God's purpose for your life alone. You need your church family. And that is absolutely true. Look at this verse from Ephesians 3. It says this. This is 
a beautiful passage. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. How? According to his power that is at work where? Within us. Church within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now I want to show you something in the book of Ephesians that is absolutely staggering. It is the connection between Jesus Christ and the church and the world. Did you hear that? The connection between Jesus Christ and the church and the world. Check this out. It says this, God raised him, speaking of Jesus, God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Where is Jesus Christ right now? Do you know where he is? He's on a throne running the universe. Now think about that. In charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name, no power, exempt from his rule, and not just for the time being, but for how long? Church, how long? Forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. Who has the final word on what happens in America today? It's not the president. It's not the Congress. It's not the Supreme Court. It's Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has a final word on what happens in your life and in my life and in the lives of those we love. He has the final word on everything because he is in charge. And when it comes to what's happening in this world, when it comes to what's happening in your life, here's the last thing I want to show you this morning. This is from the book of Ephesians again. At the center of all this, at the center of what's happening in the world, in the center of what's happening in your world, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The church, the world is peripheral to the church. Everything revolves around the Son because Jesus Christ is the king and head of his church. And notice this. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts. The things that we do, the things that we say, are as representatives of Jesus Christ. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Listen, God's family, according to this book, is indestructible. God's family, according to this book, will last forever. And God's family, the church, according to this book, is the hope of the world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that your word is faithful and true. I thank you, God, that that Jesus is the head and king of the church. I thank you that the resurrected king is re resurrecting us. Father, I thank you that Jesus has the last word on everything in this world and everything in our lives. And Lord, I want to pray this morning for those who are just struggling with the, the circumstances of their lives. I pray that they would just turn their hearts to Jesus. And Lord, um, I want to pray for the person this morning who's, who's maybe never done that. They've never made that choice to follow Jesus and surrender the life to him. Listen, if that's you this morning, right where you are, you don't have to say anything out loud, but you can talk to God and in your own words just say, God, I really need you. I, I, I know that I've done things that are wrong. I know that I'm a sinner and I need a savior and I, I admit that. And I believe that Jesus, your son, died on the cross for my sins and that he came back to life and I need a new life today, God. So as much as I can as much as I understand. I just make the choice today to follow Jesus. And God, you always hear that prayer. You always run to meet us and rescue us and pick us up. And God, this morning, I pray for our church family. 
Father, there are great things ahead for Boynton Beach Community Church as we walk in step with Jesus, as we move in, in concert with your Holy Spirit. God, would you please do this? Open the doors wide so that we become a, a, a church that is so centered on the gospel, where, where the power of Jesus Christ lives in us, where the, the power of, of Christ is seen in our love for each other. And as people look in, they'll go, whoa, that, that's real. God, I pray that your name would be lifted up and that we would believe, God, that because of Christ, there is a new power in us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And Lord, as we sing this last song, would you please encourage us with that thought that as we head out these doors, we don't have to leave in our own strength, our own wisdom, because of Jesus Christ living in us, we have a new potential to change the world. And we pray this in the holy and powerful name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Church, let's stand and sing our last song together.